Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. I want to invite you to put, I'm only interviewing one person, but I want you to put your hands together and welcome uh, Stephen and Hellington, Helen Barrington uh, as they've come and share with us this morning. So, Steve, thanks, mate. Thank you. Welcome, mate. Thank you very much. You. You've got your microphone switched on? I hope so. Is that on? Yes, that's on. That's on. You're on. Great. I'm feeling very Andrew Denton-like. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you for coming up and uh, making the trip. It's great to have you and Helen here with us. Um, Andrew and I got to spend some time uh, with Steve and Helen last night and just had a great time sharing lots of stories and lots of laughs and mm. a few frustrations about life and ministry along the way. So Only um, a couple. Only a couple. But, yeah. uh, so I, I first met Steve and Helen uh, about 10 to 12 years ago uh, when we were taught, they were wrestling with uh, what the nature of church looked like. They'd been part of a church plant and that had uh, closed down, but their ministry that we're going to talk about a bit more uh, continued to uh, be explored and how that affiliated and worked with churches of Christ. So uh, I quickly discovered a couple with a really generous heart, um, passionate about seeing the church uh, respond in a way uh, as those called to follow Jesus. So I hope you pick up a little bit of that uh, today. Uh, I'm really excited about some of the things that Steve will share with us and I hope what he shares with us will become really obvious and one of the best, look at this, this is good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Steve and Helen have been married for 37 years. They have three adult children. Uh, you're a cricket, cricket tragic, yep. aren't you? Um, yep. You're a, a bit of a sport nutter too, aren't you? You're into most, you go to, I've seen you at, on, by photos, I've seen you at the football uh, AFL one night and then the NRL the next night. Yep. So you're a bit of a sport tragic really, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yep. very good. Yep. Uh, Collingwood supporter and Storm supporter. So yep. um, I just like to get that out of the way. So, you know. You know. No favouritism here. No, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Steve's also, look, just some of the, some of the things that Steve and, and Helen have been a part of. He's served with Corinne people on the Thai-Burma border with the Hope Project. He's served amongst uh, slums in Bangkok with Urban Neighbours of Hope. Uh, he's worked in Cambodia uh, in special uh, various mission projects. He's uh, been a member or still a member of God Squad? Still a member. Still yeah. a member of God's squad. He's been a high school chaplain, a local church pastor, um, and is currently serving as the CEO. Uh, not a title that sits very well with him, but uh, as the Foothills Community Care. Have I missed anything? That's pretty good. That's, That's pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. Okay. So, Steve, uh, just give us a little bit of, I guess, background about who you are. I know that they're roles, but yep. who are you? That's a good question. You've yeah. Uh, yeah, covered a fair bit there. First of all, thanks very much for having us up here. It's been many, many years since we've been up to Horsham. In fact, I think the last time I was here was, uh, I think about 25, 28 years ago. Uh, so it was quite a while ago. We've got a bit of a connection here through Horsham Church of Christ with uh, God Squad, uh, which is great as well. So I remember visiting in the, the old place many, many moons ago as well. And, uh, and we bring greetings from Baronia Church of Christ, where we worship now as well. And I know Becky Scott has, uh, particularly sends her greetings along here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we live locally in our local area and we're really passionate. We're in Furniture Gully, which is next door to Baronia in Melbourne. I'm a city boy, um, so I, I, uh, I love coming to the country and I love coming back to the city. 
Um, Ferntree Gully is, is about 30 kilometres, 28 kilometres out from the centre of town. It's the furthest out of the city I've ever lived in my life. Wow. Um, my mum grew up in inner city, uh, Clifton Hill, right next to Victoria Park, which is the, the football connection there, which is sort of like the centre of, um, it's like Jerusalem where the temple is. It's the centre <laughs> of where God dwells. And uh, hopefully people get that understanding. <laughs> so I am a football tragic. Uh, the NRL connection, my son, uh, my middle son, uh, worked for the last 12 months for Melbourne Storm, and so uh, he introduced us to Melbourne Storm. And this morning, about four hours ago, he got on a plane uh, to go across to Asia and then over to England for the next two years. So um, yeah. we will miss him greatly over the yeah. next little while. Yeah. yeah. I felt bad when I found out you, yeah. your son's <laughs> flying out for two years and you're up here. That's okay. We had a great breakfast together yesterday morning yeah. with all our, our sons and family together. So yeah. it's great. That's great. Fantastic. Mm. Um, where where'd you first connect with the story of Jesus and, and how has that grown and shaped for you? Sure. So I was really fortunate. I grew up in a, in a Christian home. My parents, uh, first of all, were involved in a, in a Wesley Methodist mission uh, in Clifton Hill, um, right up the road from where my mum was born, actually. And I remember going there as a, as a little child and visiting my grandmother, uh, who died when I was about six years of age. I remember going there, and then they shifted to the local Baptist church, uh, which I attended for many, many years. My mum's still there now. Wow. And, uh, and I remember many times um, just having a great role model, particularly for my father, as someone who served, served the church, served in the local community. And uh, so I guess that was really instrumental for me. And at the age of 18, I remember, or up until the age of 18, I remember making many recommitments of faith. <laughs> and at the age of 18, it was like the penny dropped, and I suddenly saw Jesus, the Jesus in the Gospels. Wow. And, uh, and it was at that point I made a real commitment that this is the direction I want my life to go in, yeah. to follow him. Yeah. Mm. And that's, so t- what about, was there a different moment where that story of Jesus connected into the heart of local mission then? Sure. Or was that, how, you know, you've got this real urgency and passion for the local community and, to, or, and the global community for that matter in terms of working amongst the poor. Sure. Did that happen at 18, or was that kind of a slow progression where the light came on? Tell us a little bit about the connection there. Sure. So there's a few things there. I guess um, going back a little bit, I mentioned my father before, who was a great role model. Uh, he died suddenly when, uh, when I was 13 years of age, and so I guess that, that has had a massive impact on, on my life and our family's life. Yeah. And um, I guess spent most of my teenage life really struggling to come to grips with that, what that meant, not having that father figure and, um, and my mother not having her husband there and so trying to really come to grips with, with what that meant in our lives and so I learned a lot about, um, I guess, isolation and loneliness and, and c- community and where the church fits in and where it doesn't fit in as well wow. and, um, and there were some good and some, some great learning moments in that so I guess that's really helped shape me and given me a real, I guess, passion for people who feel on the outer. Yeah. on the outer in life. Uh, certainly at the age of 18, um, reading the Gospels and, and reading stories of Jesus. I grew up in Sunday school and I thought I knew it all. I used to love going to RE at school because um, I won all the prizes because <laughs> I knew the memory verses. I could say all the, the, the New Testament books and the Old Testament books and the stories and I knew about Jonah. I knew about all the David and Goliath. I knew about all these kind of things. So I thought I was pretty good. But at the age of 18, I started reading the stories of Jesus and there were things that I saw that I'd never heard of before. And I started to see things in a new light. Yeah. Around the same time, I also got involved with a group of people through Youth for Christ, actually, that were visiting one of the um, youth detention centres in Melbourne, visiting young women that were incarcerated. 
And, um, and my passion was to take Jesus to them, to share Jesus' love with them, because uh, I believed Jesus was the answer. Yeah. And he certainly was. But there was a whole lot of other things that came out. I actually thought if these people just accepted Jesus, then their lives would be really good. They'd be really great. But I'd had no understanding of the, of the tragedy that they were experiencing, things of homelessness, of abuse, of um, addictions, and the, the bad situations that they'd come from. So yes, Jesus was the answer. But it wasn't just about words. It was actually about sharing life and helping people integrate into community and feel a sense of connection and journeying with them over a long period of time. So I guess that was a really significant thing yeah, wow. for me that helped me understand that it's not just about words, but it's about how we live our life out with people and yeah. how we journey with people. Um, it's easy just to say the words, but it's actually hard to live them out in people's lives when they're going through some really hard times. Yeah. And it's, there's some pivotal moments there, isn't there, in terms of um, both community and personal, mm. which have to be held together just from the little bit that you're talking about there. Like we can't hold, say it's all about the community and the church or the local church has to provide me for the answers. There's about, there's some things in there about self-discovery and self our own relationship with God in that, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But one of the things I often talk about is that um, God is doing a constant work in our lives. It's not just a one-off event, the event of conversion. And I think um, as I journey, particularly with these younger women, and then the wider world of, of working with people with addiction, homelessness, and so on. Um, as I said before, I, I thought my job was to actually to take God to them, but I actually realised God is already active in their lives. Yeah, wow. He was already yeah. there. It wasn't for me to take him there. It was actually for me to partner with God in the activity that he's already doing there. Yeah. And it was actually God was doing a more of a reconversion work in my life, opening myself up, him opening me to his love and his com compassion and passion to love other people. Yeah. Yeah. So question without notice um the, yeah. i think it's going to be a few of these today yeah i feel like it, it could be um the darcy Moore? No, sorry not darcy Moore. no not, not darcy not Moore. About no he's not the answer no okay. no he's yeah. been pretty good but he's not yeah. the answer um that darcy Moore plays on the back line for collingwood they all knew it's that it's okay they all, all right. knew that, that, that all right um the, the relationship between um the local church yep. and the local mission yep hasn't always been great. Yep. How have you, rec have, you, have you reconciled that? How did you reconcile it? What was the moment or the moments? Yeah, good question. So um, there's a few things with that. Uh, I had a great mentor years ago who, who gave me, who yeah, said some good things to me. And one of the things that's really stuck, and it is, as the people of God, mission is who we are not what we do. Oh, wow. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. You know, I grew up in a church where we had um, Mission Month, yep. which of course is May, yeah. May oh, Mission okay. Month, which All is right. now, isn't Okay, it? yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was a great way to, um, to focus on what was happening in the world and was generally out there. I remember growing up as a kid and thinking that if I went overseas as a missionary, I'd really be super spiritual because as soon as you got on the plane, you know, God helps you to walk a couple of feet above the, above the, uh, above the earth. But if you're in mission here, then it wasn't sort of as spiritual. It wasn't right. as connected. Mm, mm. Uh, so that was the kind of perception I had. But I actually have come to understand that, that mission and when we follow Jesus and when we see Jesus in the Gospels, that he's on about mission all the time. It is the lifeblood of what he does. It's the, the air that he breathes. Yeah, so right. it's not something that we do. It's actually the way we live our lives. So mission for me is about... Yes, what we do on a Monday night or a Wednesday night when we have our community meals where people come along 
and experience love in a really tangible way. But it's also about going down to the local supermarket and how I interact with people down there, how I interact with people down the street, how I interact with people on the phone. It's about the everyday of life, not just the big moments, but in the small moments as well. Yeah. So when we started uh, Foothills Community Church, Community Care, many years ago, um, there was a temptation from some people to say, Let, let's get together, let's worship, and then over time we'll understand what God's mission for us is. That, that was one thought line that we had. Um, but we said, a few of us said, now let's, let's pray and let's be involved in the local community. Let's look and talk to the local community about what the needs are in the local community and actually let's begin with that. And so mission and worship sprung at the same time. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And I love the stories of Jesus. Most of the stories in the Gospels are Jesus on the road with his disciples. Yeah. Most of them are along the, the, where Jesus is travelling out the backwaters of Galilee, yeah. healing, teaching, preaching with his disciples. The last third of most of the Gospels is about the last week. Yeah. And uh, there's great lessons there. But most of it is actually about life on the road with his disciples. Yeah. And he's modelling what it is to be a follower, to his disciples, to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah. And uh, mission is a big part of that. It's not yeah. just something they do on the on Friday nights or Sunday no, afternoons. No, yeah. and I love as I as I read the Gospels and learning uh, through some of my own devotions this year. There's this constant movement in and out of Jesus from smaller groups to larger groups yes. to family groups yes. to withdrawn. There's this constant movement, isn't there? It's not Absolutely. just kind of I'm just going to do this one thing yeah. and that's it. And it's yeah. this yeah, it's who we are. Yeah. yeah, which is a beautiful way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've tapped briefly or touched briefly on on the lunches the community lunches um i think when i sent the questions i sent i sent about the fern tree gully lunch but i think that i feel like that's much bigger mm. um it might even be good if you give us a snapshot of your week this week you spoke a little bit about that just just sure. a snapshot of your week this week in terms of foothills community care sure so i should say foothills community care we're a mission agency of churches of christ yep um, which we're very thankful for. for it. We're also a CareWorks partner. We're one of, I think, about eight or nine mission agencies uh, in Victoria, and we really value our partnership there. The video you just saw before was um, one uh, clip that was done for us uh, late last year with an organisation called Second Bite. So they rescue food at supermarkets and uh, places all around Australia, and they actually came and did that clip on us and showed it last year. We were one of their featured charities uh, for their big promotion that, that they did. Um, and that's at uh, Upway, one of the centres that we work with, and you notice the sign there, Upway Baptist. So we partner with them. We run a community meal night on a Monday night up at Upway. Um, we've done that for about three and a half years now. Yeah, wow. We get about 80 to 100 people come along there on, on Monday nights. Anyone's welcome in the local community, uh, but particularly people who are on their own, isolated, people who are homeless, uh, single parents, uh, and people who have no other support networks around yeah. them come along. Uh, we do the same thing on a Wednesday night in Ferntree Gully. We've been doing that for about 14 years now and get 60 to 70 people come along there. Uh, so this week we got both of them as well. C leading up to Mother's Day, uh, we'll actually have a special women's night at both of those and so we've, we partner with some other um, agencies in our local area. We've been given some women's hygiene packs so we'll be able to hand them out as well. We've got a, a community nurse coming along on Monday and Wednesday nights also to do free flu shots. So if you want a free flu shot, come down and get a free <laughs> meal as well. Uh, and particularly people in our local community who are, who are homeless and living on their own, uh, they're really important times who normally don't access um, health services in our local area. So the reason we have them in our community meal night is we've already got a whole lot of people that come there and so it's a great way for them to link in with normal health services that they wouldn't yeah. normally do. 
right. Wow. So that's Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday this week. We've got a, a special women's pamper afternoon. So our, our, uh, Alice, who you saw on the video as well, heads up our um, community casserole bank and our domestic violence support service that we run. And so they'll be running and I'll be helping them run a women's um, pamper afternoon. Last year we did it for the first time. We thought we'd have about 20 or 30 women and children come along. We had about 80. Cool. And uh, so we're, we're trying to kind of run it a bit smaller this year, but we'll see what it's like Tuesday afternoon. Good luck with that, yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just a great time. We had uh, one of the hairdressers came down and did free haircuts for women. We had other people come and do massages. We had people come and do health seminars. So it was a whole, just a beautiful way of um, people coming in and wanting to support people in the local community and serving, serving women, and particularly women that uh, we had a lot of single women and women who come out of domestic violence situations there. So that's uh, Tuesday, Thursday, uh, we got our community casserole bank and, and um, the, the, the film you saw there was one of our cook-ups. We do a cook-up once a month and we get a whole team of people from the community come in and we cook up about 200 nutritious meals that we freeze that we then give out to people in the, to, in the, the life of the local community during the week. We give them out, we go to their houses, we sit down and chat with them. We might be there 30 seconds, literally, or we might be there two hours with them, listening yeah. to their stories wow. yeah. as they as they go through trauma in their life. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Wow. Now, you you lead a team of 200 volunteers, is that We're right? about 200 volunteers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yep. It's a great privilege. And one of the things I've discovered is that um, I used to think that volunteers was kind of the side product to actually get the main stuff done, but I actually see now that... Um, Providing a place for people to volunteer in the life of the local community is really, really an important thing to do. And people want to make a difference in the life of their local community. We have quite a few people from different churches that come along. We have a lot of people who aren't connected with the church come along and want to serve. They understand our perspective. They understand we do it as followers of Jesus and they want to serve and they want to come along with us and partner. And through that, it's been amazing, the conversations that we've had, the people who've um, come along to faith as a result of that, as yeah, a result of wow. serving. Yeah. And people want to serve for a whole range of reasons, but it's, it's a great opportunity. So we have individuals that come along and do that. We have local sporting clubs, so we have the local cricket clubs and footy clubs that come and, and will do a couple of nights with us during the year. And they do it as a way of connecting in with the community and actually getting a bigger view of what's happening in life rather than just their own sporting club. We have service clubs um, we have schools. We always have students from um, schools, primary schools and high schools that come along and serve as well. And it's a really important thing for them to do that. We had one of the high schools last year that on Wednesday afternoons for their community service class um, made soup for us. And then we were able to collect that soup oh, wow. and uh, take it on the Wednesday night during winter time and serve it out to, to people when they, when they came in the middle of winter time. Yeah, yeah. And so it was this great... And it was done with the rescued food. So it was this great story of um, people at many stages connecting and serving the local community and, and being involved. So in some ways, in many ways, I feel like we're a real conduit that um, we just provide a way for people to connect. And we probably see that particularly, we do a lunch on Christmas Day. For, so for the last 17 years now, we've done a yeah, Christmas Day lunch. And um, last year, we had about 250 people there. We've absolutely maxed out the hall that we do it in. We, we do it at the local Catholic church, and they're fantastic at providing that space and place for us. And we have people from all different churches in across the community come along and get involved in that and, um, and many other different groups as well. We discovered really early on um, that we have to have a very stringent um, volunteer selection process <laughs> because everyone wants to volunteer on Christmas Day. <laughs> and we literally have um, twice to three times the amount of people apply who want to come and oh, serve wow. on Christmas Day. 
Wow. Um, someone told me that at the beginning. I didn't believe it, but the first year I saw it in action and every year it's like that. And it's for a whole range of reasons. Some of it is people who are on their own and they'd rather be doing something on yeah. Christmas Day. Um, some of it is um, people who have got families to go to, but that family's perhaps isn't the place they'd like to be. Um, and we've had some pretty just incredible stories over the years of um, Christmas for some people. Um, there's this expectation that Christmas is going to be different. They've got very dysfunctional family relationships during the year, but somehow they expect Christmas to be different. But you throw in that expectation, a lot of alcohol, <laughs> a lot of dysfunctionalism, yeah. it's not a good recipe. No. <laughs> and no. so we have a lot of people who want to come and serve. We actually have a lot of families that say, we want to bring our children and show them that there's a different way, that Christmas is just oh. not about taking, but it's wow. actually about giving. Wow. And so it is, it's a really beautiful time of the year. It's a lot of work that we do, and we get gifts um, provided to us from a whole range of different people. Um, we have to hunt up particularly gifts for, for men and for teenagers. We get lots of gifts given to us for young children. But it's a real way of the community coming together, local council, uh, state um, parliamentarians and our federal parliamentarians really support it and get behind it and um, promote it and provide, point mm. other people to mm. it as well. Yeah. So Foothills Community Care has been going for a while. The agency's been going for a while. How did, how did it come about? Where did it, like you talked a little bit about the church plant a little bit sure. and, the, and the partnership between worship and mission. But yeah. what, what was it that was stirring in you that said, come on, we can do something different here? It really was about what it is to be a small group of people who are followers of Jesus, who, who live out the implications of that in the life of the local community. And so at the very beginning, we, we actually had more of a house church that started and we were people who lived right around the corner from each other. Yeah, right. And we said, what would it mean if we took seriously living out the principles of following Jesus in the life of our local community? Mm. What, mm. It mean, what would it mean in the life of our local primary school? Most of us had children at the local primary school at that time. Um, we got involved in RE. Uh, in fact, we, we turned the RE program on its head and that's one of the sad things, I guess, over the last few years is seeing that leave. Um, and we had this great RE program yeah. going where um, the school really uh, saw the value of it because they saw not just of people coming in providing half an hour of spiritual lessons, but actually impacting and being involved in the life of the local school. So through that, we were able to get a chaplain in the life of the school before wow. the chaplaincy uh, funding came in as well. So that came in a few years later. So we were able to uh, put a chaplain in the life of the school and people just saw the real value of Christ's followers mm, um, mm. being really salt and light in yeah. the life of the local community. So that was part of it at the beginning. Yeah. What does it mean to be able to do that? What does that mean multiplied throughout the local area? So being involved in cricket, like you said, um, my boys started playing cricket as at younger the younger age. I hadn't played for many, many years. And I thought, oh, maybe we could go back and play together. And so I got involved in, uh, in, in coaching there and then in the, um, in the executives and saw the culture of a club change from a real drinking, blokey yeah. culture yeah. to a culture of people who really wanted, had a bigger view of their community and served their community. And it was a real family in environment to come and be involved in. Brilliant. So that's just, just seeing that and seeing people really catch that vision and then seeing other Christians who were there who had never t you know, said anything about themselves being Christians actually felt proud to be able to say, well, actually, I'm a follower of Jesus as well. Yeah, this right. is great. And we want to actually invest our time here. Yeah, wow. With, I guess um, for a lot of them, they've had a, a very dualistic life of um, 
they had their Sunday church and then their Saturday cricket club and they were actually quite separate. Yeah. And so I guess one of the things that we were able to do with people is actually encourage them to see that that was mission, missionary. Yeah. That yeah. was where they could um, really see themselves as followers of Jesus and make a positive influence in that life. So sold in life is a great metaphor. I yeah. love that Jesus talks about that and we can do that in, in all kinds of ways. Yeah. And so I guess that was a no-brainer in terms of having a church community and then people wanted to, you know, wanted to know where can we know more about this? Where can we come and gather, you know, yeah. learn about Jesus? Yeah. And, and it grew from that. That's brilliant. Mm. So I imagine you spoke about the, uh, the volunteers, the nature of volunteers, the stringent process for... Um, involving volunteers the the movement of uh the growth of the organization as well uh the various things you're a part of particularly this week um what are some of the challenges and opportunities that you see in that and are part of in that um in a very specific way perhaps sure um yeah working with people has its challenges <laughs> yeah. Yeah. if only they'd be like me yeah. the world would be a better place <laughs> anyone else think like that yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, we're all different yeah. and we all see the world differently. And so working with that amount of people uh, has its challenges. Working with people who, who um, our guests that come along to our community meals have high levels of um, range of issues in their life. So working with people who are homeless, uh, who are, have different addictions in their life, who have family trauma, uh, who've uh, suffered and continue to suffer from various violence in their life working with them and being close to them has its challenges and working with a whole lot of them together has its challenges. And overall, um, our community meals, we, we try and create a safe place and that's one of the things that we say in all of our programs. It's actually about providing a safe place for people to come <coughs> and, and to be included, particularly for people who don't feel included at all. Um, so, But when you get a whole lot of people like that together, yeah. it can sometimes... Yeah. Uh, just have its little tension spots, and uh, very occasionally it sort of um, it can um, flashpoint a little bit. Yeah, it can sure. be challenges, but but most of the time uh, it's actually really positive. And so to see the people on the smile on people's faces is, is priceless. Mm. To see yeah. people who've um, who've just been told their whole life that they're useless, that they're no good, and being put down and being disregarded. And to see them being treated with dignity and respect and then actually treat other people with respect and to serve people is priceless. Yeah. Is yeah. really, really good. So, yeah. so there's some challenges in that. Uh, the challenges of resources is a constant challenge of, uh, as we've grown uh, and, and taken on new things in the life of our local community. So our domestic violence program started about 18 months ago as a result of our community casseroles program, just seeing particularly there's more and more women in our local community that were isolated and this was their story. Um, so really supporting them and building that program up means yeah. that uh, the growth of the programs is like that and the growth of the resources kind of goes like sure. that. Sure, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. It's, it's the constant challenge of trying to manage all of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I imagine one of the challenges too, or and maybe it's not so much anymore, but what does it look like for... Um, the church to be winning in this or making disciples or what does it look like to witness and when are people following Jesus or when aren't they following Jesus? You know, if people are coming to our meals but they're not baptised or they're not making a declaration, is it what we're meant to be doing? What is it, you know, I know it's, it seems very obvious that we're witnessing and you're operating as a witness of Jesus mm. but historically churches would say this is what it looks like, this is a success. Yep. How do you reconcile that? 
Yeah, good question. So I guess words and actions are, are key things and, and being followers of Jesus is, is a really key thing. So I take seriously how, how did Jesus live out his love? How did he live out faith in the life of the local community around him? Yeah. And, uh, and there was many ways that he communicated that and there was many ways that he, that he modelled that. And I guess for us, it's, um, it's a bit like I was saying before when I started going on to the youth training centres. It was, uh, I still believe Jesus is the answer, but what are the questions that people are asking yeah, okay. in life? Yep. And I think over the last few years, it's been interesting, probably in the last 10 years, uh, in the public sphere, the church has really taken a, a yeah. downhill nosedive. Yep. And um, particularly with the Royal Commission going on, there's a lot of bad press about the church and RE is a classic example, yeah. we spoke about before, uh, not being allowed. So th- it's probably been more in the last 10 years the church has gone downhill uh, in terms of its publicity. And there's some amazing things the church is doing. So what we try and do is, is rather than saying, hey, we've got a right to be heard, is actually getting respect within the life of the local community by yeah, what we wow. do and wow. live that out. Mm. And then people will always ask the questions about how that comes about. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget uh, many years ago with God Squad. Um, God Squad's a Christian motorcycle club and one of the things that we do is go around to other bike clubs. We go to public spaces where they are. We go to their biker clubhouses and, uh, and share our faith with them. Um, what we don't do is go and, and tell them what they must believe. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah. there was one bike club years ago that we hadn't been to. They'd been... A little bit standoffish to us. We'd seen them at other places, but we'd never been had an invitation to go to their their clubhouse, their place. And um, one night we were at another uh, biker clubhouse, and there was a few members of this particular club there. Uh, and one of our guys was talking to them, and um, they gave us an invite to their particular club. And so we rang them up the next week, and we said, "Oh, we met one of your guys the other night. Can we come up this Thursday?" And they said yes. And so we went up there. We prayed about it. It was really good. We were a bit fearful because we hadn't been there before. So the background of this that we didn't know that we only found out later is um, that this particular club had a certain perception about what God Squad did. They thought we would come in and preach at them, right. like literally tell them and bring our Bibles in and whack them over the head with the Bibles. <laughs> and so they had made a decision that they would never invite us to their club rooms. Um, and so it's okay to walk around with baseball bats and guns but not Bibles. Apparently so. Essentially so. The, yeah, apparently okay. so. Yeah. And so... Uh, and so at this particular night, one of their guys was really drunk and, um, and dropped his guard and invited our guy to, to there. And so we arranged to go. We didn't know any of this at all. Wow. And uh, so we walk in, we introduce ourselves, we're standing around talking, and it was a bit cold, but, but okay. And then after about 10 minutes, their leader said, okay, let's get it over and done with. And we went, What? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, we thought, what is, what's going to happen now? And they <laughs> said, well, you come and preach to everyone, don't you? And we said, well, not really. No. They said, you sure? That's what we've heard. You know, that's what you do. You go and preach and tell people that they're all sinners and they're going to hell and we just go and get it over and done with and then you can leave. <laughs> we said, no, we actually don't do that at all. Wow. And then they relaxed. And then we spent the next three hours with them wow. chatting about our faith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they said, well, what do you do? And then we actually had the most amazing faith conversations with them, which is the very thing they actually didn't want us to do, (laughs) but they did it because they were actually really intrigued and and wanted to know about that. And uh, and since then, that's opened up all kind of amazing doors for conversations. And I I think that's a good 
analogy for life often that as Christians um, we feel a pressure to share God's word with people and um, and I know when I was younger I would often look for ways to manipulate conversations around to that. Um, I probably don't do that as much anymore. No. Um, probably because more of the, the places I find myself in is people will ask those questions. Yeah. Because yeah. they see it lived out in, their, in, in the life of our local community. Yeah. And yeah. so, and I feel incredibly proud that, that we're part of a faith community that actually lives out what it is to, we lives out Jesus' love in action. Yeah. And then as a result of that, it gives us a great platform to share his love in words. Yeah. And so we have, yeah, as I said before, people who come along, who've come to faith, you know, who are well on the journey of Jesus because of who we are and what we do. Yeah. yeah. It's really, it's a great example. I think I, I've heard recently the idea of we start with casual conversations, move to meaningful conversations, yep. but it's their meaningful conversation, what's meaningful for them, yes. not for me. Yes. Um, which is something Christians have got to kind of lay down, I think, is yep. probably my reflection. Yep. And then we move to spiritual conversations and they lead to their discovery of Jesus. And that's, I think we've got this sense that, and I think it's slowly being stripped off, but we've got to force something and push yep. something rather than partner with and work, walk with. Is mm. that, yeah, sounds very similar to what you're describing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about what are the questions that people have got in their lives? What are the questions they're asking? Where, what are their needs? And, um, and the gospel has answers for all those needs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's about how we uh, walk with them in mm. that journey. Mm. And for us, uh, particularly, it's about relationships. Yeah. And it's about long-term relationships of really earning the right to be heard and being able to speak into their lives in, yeah. in a long way. And there's always one-off conversations um, that we have as well where we don't know the result of. Um, one of the amazing things that we have is when people will say on one of our email nights, can you pray for me now? Yeah, that's right. one of the real privileges. And I don't know where people are at in their faith journey at that point, um, but the the real privilege of praying for people and uh, standing in the gap yeah. for people yeah. in that way is, is quite incredible, a real privilege. It must be difficult too, like in terms of you, you talk about sharing life with people through domestic violence, homelessness. Like I don't imagine those situations would change because they come and get a meal from Foothills Community Care. No. Like, there must be a sense where, you know, Jesus, come on, change this, and yep. yet it's not changed. Yep. But, like, I don't even know what the question is that, just to yep. go, we've got to hold this, don't we, sometimes? We do got to hold this, and it's, it's a long-term job. It's a long-term thing. So there was one, there's a, one guy we've been journeying with now for about eight, maybe ten years now. When he first came to us, he was, um, he was living in his car. He... He was completely estranged from his family, um, separated from his wife, and, and hadn't seen his adult children for a long time. Wow. Um, and he'd um, been a soldier, suffered, come back from PST, severe PST. So there was a whole range of issues in his life. Uh, so he came along, was living in his car, would come to our meals. Um, hygiene was up the window. No one wanted to be near him. Um, and he wasn't nice to be around. Yeah, right. He was really messy, really, you know, pretty gruff, pretty yep. not very respectful of people and so on. And so it's very easy when you meet someone like that just to write them off. Yeah. yeah. Just to write them off and to say, well, get a meal, but yeah. move on kind of thing. Um, but he kept coming back. And uh, what I saw was when I see in Matthew 25, Jesus said, when you feed people, when you clothe people, when you give them water... When you do it to the least of mine, brethren, you're doing it under me. 
And I take that, that passage really seriously. So on our Wednesday nights, when the most unloving person comes in, yeah. I see that this is Jesus. Yeah. How do we serve Jesus? How do we serve Jesus? We serve him with love and with dignity. Yeah. And that just actually transforms. So for this man coming in, that, that's, that was my challenge with him. Even though it wasn't the thing that I wanted to do at all. He came along each week. He, sent, he felt a sense of connection. And so his behaviour to other people would, would change. He eventually, you know, long story, short version of long story, he, he moved into a local uh, boarding house in the local area and then into a local ministry of housing house. He's been coming along. He then started to see that he could get involved with us as well. So he started to come earlier and set up the tables and chairs, started to um, help people, came to a sense of faith. He got involved with a local church um, and started to wow. understand Jesus for himself. Wow. And then uh, about eight, nine months ago, he said to me, you know, I used to live in the boarding houses around here. He said, they're terrible places. And he said, I reckon we should be going into them and, and telling them about Jesus huh. and, and providing food for them. Wow. And so for the last eight or nine months, that's what we've been doing each week. All the excess fruit and vegetables that we get given each week that are left over, we take along to the oh. boarding houses the next day and, and wow. just build up relationships with people there. Yeah. So it's a beautiful thing. And that come out of someone that the first time I met them, I just wanted to write them off. Yeah. And I, I just sees that, that it shows to me that God's got other views yeah. and God sees people differently to the way that we see people. Yeah. That's brilliant. Uh, Steve, I mean, I, I've got these questions here about your faith underpinning and how you've responded and creating a net. You've just answered all that in, you know, one great summary. So I, I just, and I hope you appreciate just like, and I sit here again and I go, oh man, what a heart you have. And just, I'm really humbled to actually sit here and hear your stories again. It's just, uh, just a great encouragement. My, I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what to say to some of it. Um, I don't name it. I don't, this, we could keep going, but I just feel like, I don't know, is there something that you'd want to say to us as a faith community, as a local faith community, perhaps? Is sure, absolutely. It's, um, I mean, you're in a great position here in a local town, uh, or city, sorry, not a town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I read that this morning, that yes. you were a barrio, and then a, t- a town, and then a yes, city. that's right. In the exactly 1940s, right. I think it is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, a great opportunity to be sold and light in the li- life of this local community. Mm. And, um, you know, this facility here, it's great to be here. I've you know, seen it from afar on yeah. Facebook and been following the journey for many, many years. Um, many churches would build buildings like this as a way to get more people in the door on mm. a Sunday morning. Yeah. And that's an important part of it. But what I love about the way this building has been designed is that it's actually a community centre. It's a community hub. And I think it's important to remember that. I love the, the foyer out there and just talking to, to you before about it's created that way. You walk in and it has this open, welcome environment. Mm. If you only ever build it for yourselves, then that would be a waste of resource. Mm. But mm. to actually open it up to the life of the local community, have other groups coming in and out, and to have it as a real community hub, I think is really, really important. Mm. Um, but not just get tied to the building. I think it's really, really easy to yeah. say, we've got this resource, yep. we've got to be here all the time. Yep. What does it mean to be going out? One of the things, one of my, I guess, my um, theological models, I guess, is the, the thing of the incarnation, that God sent Jesus down to earth. He left the trappings of heaven and came down to earth as a helpless baby, came down, put on skin and lived as one of us. And that's the, the emphasis or the impetus of the incarnation, that we go out 
we leave the safety of our four walls and go out into the community each week and share and mix and share God's love in our everyday life. Mm -hmm. So to see, yes, there'll be programs that you do here which are really, really important and vital and they are fantastic. But that's not where you stop living your faith. Your faith actually happens in the day-to-day interactions with people in the life of our local community. Mm. And I think that's really, really, really important. Mm. And as I said before, being salt and light, what does that mean in the, in the context of, of your local community? Yeah. What are the needs here? What are the gaps? We often think about um, there's lots of programs that we could do, but there's actually lots of other churches that are doing great things. We don't need to do that. But what are the gaps? What are the ways that we can be a real blessing to our local community? Yeah and really support and uh, get along beside other people in the life of the local community yeah, as well. Yeah, So, and even to drill down a little bit more than that, maybe, which might have some similarities, but also a bit deeper, is someone's sitting here and there's this wrestle and this tension between where God might be calling me today. You know, yeah. that story, you know, I know Jesus. Yeah. I feel like Jesus is calling me into something. Yeah. Um, uh, but I'm not sure, you know, how would... what your encouragement be to someone about that next kind of step for them sure absolutely i remember at the age uh 18 so i'd come to that place before like i said of being really feeling that god wanted to do something with me i worked um i worked in the bank actually uh, when i left school i left school at the age of or the end of year 11 um i wasn't great academically right i didn't really have great motivation to, to be there and so um I had no skills and so I got the first job that I could get, worked in a bank for three years and hated every moment of it. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, and, but really felt like, you know, I really wanted to serve and um, serve God. But I had no skills. I knew other people that were great mechanics or yeah, right. doctors or, you know, had all these skills and I never felt I was skilled. Yeah. I wasn't a great speaker. I used to, I remember at the age of about 16 going and asking for a job at the local supermarket and just stuttering so much and going red in the face and running out the door, just totally embarrassed. Wow. And um, feel a lot like Moses, like, you know, what can I ever do? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, uh, God has a sense of humour that, you know, 30 years later, one of the main things I do is speak. (laughs) And uh, that's the thing that I'd never think of. Yeah. Yeah. And so it comes back to what does God want? God wants a pure heart totally dedicated to him. God wants us to give ourselves over to him. So what I'd say is ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. Number one thing, to pray. Follow God in the small and the everyday of life. Yeah, I wow. remember as a younger person, you know, what is God's plan for my life? Always looking at the big, but not seeing the direct things in front of me. And, um, and what is he asking us to be obedient for in the everyday? Yeah. Who are the difficult people in our lives? And don't look at them right now. But <laughs> who are the difficult people in our lives? That God wants us to, to treat well. Yep. That God wants us to befriend. Mm. Who are the people in our workplace at school that are the really difficult ones? Mm. The ones who've probably got really messy family backgrounds that are really, really hard to befriend. Mm. What does it mean to be treating them well, to getting, be getting along beside them? Ask God to give us his eyes and ears for our local community, to open up our hearts to the hurting people in the life of our local community. Mm-hmm. One of the things that amazed me in the life of our local area was um, when we had our church community is people would come in to me and they'd say, you say you're doing stuff about homelessness in our local area. There's no homeless people in our area. And I would say, really? they say, yep, I've lived here 20 years. And i say, well, when you go down the street, have a look down there, have a look over there, 
have a look in the park there. Next time you do the 1,000 steps at the National Park, just not far off it, you'll see about 20 people living in tents in that area. And um, once people started opening their eyes to things, they actually saw a lot more. Yeah, wow. And yeah. so it just was a, another metaphor of ask God to open your eyes to what's happening in the life of the local community. Mm-hmm. Read the Gospels and read the stories of Jesus. How does Jesus interact with people? Who does he spend quality time with? Who does he share compassion with? And who does he butt heads with? I love the stories of Jesus. There's over 20 stories where he has conflict. Who's the conflict with? Yeah. It's with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the people who should have been the people opening up the door to God's love in the community, but were the gatekeepers saying who was in and who was out. The conflict stories in the Gospels about Jesus constantly butting heads with these people because of Jesus' love for people. Jesus was constantly spending time with the wrong people and got in trouble for it. Read that over and over again in the Gospels. Mm, mm. He was constantly having food, eating with the wrong people. Because in Middle Eastern society of the day, who you ate with said a lot about where your social status was. And being a religious leader, being a Jewish leader, Jesus had a standard to uphold. He was meant to be upwardly mobile. Sound a bit familiar? Yeah, yeah. You know, we're told, we're taught from our society, from our culture to be upwardly mobile. Yeah. And yet Jesus does the opposite. He's downwardly mobile all the time. Yeah, wow. He got in trouble for the people he hung out with. And for me, I guess that's the challenge in my life, is I want, to, I want people to think well of me. Yeah. I want to climb the ladder. But Jesus, the, the challenge and the call of Jesus, I believe, for me, is to be downwardly mobile, to spend time with the broken people, mm. to spend time with the nobodies, to spend time with the people who feel like they're on the outside and to share Jesus' love with them and to experience Jesus' love from yeah, them. Yeah. To ask, so ask Jesus to, um, to give us his heart, to read the Gospels, to um, step out in faith in the little ways as well. Yeah, yeah. It's only as we step out in the little things that the, the other things start to make sense. Yeah. Um, I'm a bit of a control freak. One of my confessions in life, I like to have everything done and really? then ask God's, God's okay. blessing on it. Okay, yeah. And uh, yeah. it's a really good way to go. <laughs> and so one of the, my big lessons over the years is actually saying and coming to the place of times of going, well, actually, I don't know what's, what's happening next. Yeah. And that's okay because yeah. that's actually about trust and faith. It's actually not faith when you know what's happening. No. It's not faith when that's you know all the answers. That's brilliant. Yeah. It's not faith when you have all the money that you need um, so stepping out in trust and faith and trusting God and giving God opportunity to move is really really important yep. and then lastly we're actually in a community together we're not called to be individual Christians no. and so asking other people to pray to help us with our decision making to ha- always have an older wiser mentor hopefully older and wiser go together <laughs> uh, they don't always in life but hopefully they do so have an older wiser mentor that you can go to to actually seek some advice from and to that we're part of the body together. We're not called into this on our own. Yeah. So I guess there's some key things for That's helping brilliant. discern where God wants us to be. That's brilliant. Yeah. Fantastic. I'd really love to um, finish just by praying for you and Helen, if that would be okay. I'd, I'd really love to pray God's blessing and guidance and wisdom and increase those resources, particularly if that was okay. So could I just ask you, Helen, would you come and join Stephen? Just stand down the front. And I'll ask our, our, our leaders and a couple of other people. Uh, Steve and Helen will be around for a cuppa afterwards. And um, if you've got a question, they'd love to chat with you, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, just uh, if you joined us down the front here.
Um, so if, maybe if you just want to raise your arms just as a sign of blessing and um, uh, I guess partnership with Steve and Helen as they go from this place as well, we just want to really bless and encourage them in life and in ministry. So Father, we want to thank you. Thank you so much for who you are, firstly. We want to give you honour and praise and, and just for the reminder that Steve's given us today about uh, the fact that Jesus stepped out of heaven and come into our world to uh, love the unlovable um, and to partner and walk with those that other people would ignore and reject and cast aside. Father, I want to thank you for the way in which you've sustained Stephen and Helen through this journey, the way in which you've sustained and encouraged them in their family and in their neighbourhood. Uh, for the witness that they are in their life and in their work. And, and, and as Helen goes to work as well, uh, Father, we just thank you for this couple and their heart to serve you above everything else. May you continue, continue to sustain and encourage them in life and in faith. May you sustain them in the relationships that they share uh, in their marriage and outside their marriage, outside their home and as a part of their home as well. Father, we ask for wisdom uh, as Steve continues to, to lead the Foothills Community Care, uh, the organisation there, the volunteers as he continues to impart vision, as he continues uh, conversations with uh, councils and businesses to uh, have the resources. Father, we want to pray for an abundance of resources. Uh, we want to pray that as the organisation grows that the resources will be there. And as this, or this group of people continue to gather and be uh, very clear witnesses for what it looks like to be followers of Jesus, uh, that they would continue to be refreshed and renewed in your love above everything else, Father. They continue to seek after your own heart and that would be evident in every conversation, in every meal that's served, in every uh, haircut that's offered this week, in every conversation that's had. Uh, Father, there'd be real evidence of the heart and the spirit of Jesus. Uh, Father, I want to pray that you grant this couple wisdom and discernment in the days and the months and the weeks and the years ahead uh, for all that you call them into. We thank you for the conversation we've been able to share in today. We thank you for their witness, their example and their challenge to us. Uh, and we pray that we might be people who go and take what has been offered to us and consider it prayerfully and with wisdom as well so that we might continue to partner in all that you are doing amongst us. Uh, so continue to bless and honour this couple as they continue to uh, worship you and honour you in all of their ways, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.